Thank you, guys. You may be seated. It has been an awesome road journey. Um, I get horrified when I think I was baptized in water in 1959. Okay, that's quite a while ago. Anyone born then? Oh, okay. So I am the wise old man here. Okay, I was very young, by the way, when I got baptized in water. Um, It's really awesome. I love coming here. Um, I've got so many memories of the way we've journeyed in Milton, and so many churches have tried and failed, and I just thank God that we have persevered because this area needs a significant church. Amen. (coughs) Awesome, guys. Sorry, can I just have that water? Sorry, I don't know what it is with me. Thanks. Okay. I'll just put that on the floor. (coughs) Guys, I am... Speaking on a topic which I was preparing uh, up towards Christmas on making better decisions in 2022. One of the things that has really broken my heart over years is really lovely Christians who make awful decisions and they're sitting with the consequences of their decisions. I know they love God and there's just pieces everywhere. So, I'm not saying all of you have done that in 2021 or 2020, but isn't it wonderful to know that we can make better decisions? Guys, you're going to be more at peace. You're going to see fruitfulness. You're going to see harvest, an increase in personal significance, whether it's in your family, in the workplace, or your ministry. Um, But you've got to know this. We become the persons we are through the decisions we make. Do not think for one moment that you are different from your decisions. We make decisions, and then our decisions make us. Okay? Seriously, guys, um, I want to quote Mary Ash. She says, be careful of the decisions you make today. They will become your lifestyle tomorrow. So that's so important. Guys, whether you're a teenager or an old old body, know this, that you can make good decisions. You'll notice that I have spoken about better decisions. I don't want you to feel under pressure to make the best decisions because only God does that. He is perfect. He's holy. He knows the beginning from the end. And that's why, by the way, uh, God has given us the gifts of wisdom and knowledge, so that there are times when we need that to make great decisions. Um, But I'm speaking about decision-making being all about steady growth and development by increasing wisdom, adding knowledge and understanding. So the best thing you and I can do, I feel, is to sit or stand, whatever you do, on a particular day, and be able to say there are some decisions you made a year ago you wouldn't make today. That's my personal motto. If I am still making the same decisions, then I feel personally that I've stagnated. There has been stagnation, or maybe I'm inflexible. That's what my father did and my grandfather did, and we're doing it even if the the ship sinks. We're going down with decisions that our grandfather made. So isn't that a wonderful thing that, that right now today you can, you can set the clock and in a year's time look back 
and say, you know what, I've made better decisions. Now, I want us to avoid making decision-making paralysis. Okay, you might say, I'm only going to make the godliest decision, or I need a supernatural sign from God. By the way, there are moments in our lives when God does supernaturally speak to us. But I want to tell you, you're going to make a million decisions that are not going to have the writing on the wall. Okay, guys, all with me? Um, You see, our God, and I think that's what Jason was referring to, is good. He's providential. And He blesses us even when we make unwise decisions. You might be sitting up broken and saying, Graham, in July last year or March in this COVID, I made some terrible decisions. So God is done with me. No ways. God still has a plan for you through your unwise decisions. You see, the scripture that's been my anchor um, since I think I was late teens, early 20s, Romans 8 verse 28. I love the new living. God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. I believe we sit with a room full of people who are called and love God. He will make it, He will bring it together. You guys all with me? So the Word word of God to us in Proverbs 16 verse 9, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Isn't that wonderful? So I believe that when you commit your life to the Lord, you also commit your decision-making to Him. Isn't that so? He is a God, though, who moves all things according to His plan and purpose. And so, God's plan for your life includes your your wise and your unwise decisions. Having said that, I think we're all motivated to make better decisions. Would you agree with me? So, I don't want you to wallow in frustration and disappointment. You see, improving your decision-making requires evaluation. Now, do you know why we don't enjoy evaluation? Because naturally speaking, now listen to me, our desire to be affirmed in our decisions and who we are is greater than our desire for change. (laughs) You're going to fight and say, you know what? It's better for me to change than to feel good. Okay. So know that, that, if Jason comes up, he's going to have coffee and start speaking to you, you're going to get defensive. If there's anyone here who doesn't get defensive, I promise you, you're one step away from heaven. You've definitely got wings <laughs> attached to your back. Because the first thing is, hey, you're not affirming me anymore. That's why when you speak to someone, tell them some good things, a lot of good things, and then bang, you hit them. Okay, I'm only joking. None of us would ever do that. Okay, so now listen to me evaluation must be balanced in such a way that we are motivated to progress and develop. You can over-evaluate. You can evaluate the junk out of something. You can have staff meetings for hours. And you know what? And funny, if we see that in sport, this team's not doing well, and those managers and those coaches and everybody, the, the social media and the media, and the poor team comes out and says, I'm a Manchester United supporter the next week, and we're playing worse. Okay. Because you see, our life is like a motor car. A motor car is designed to go forward. So we have a big windscreen and a small rearview mirror. You need your rearview mirror, right? But if you're going to be 
So don't allow evaluation to get you to drive backwards. So if any of you have got a big rear view mirror, you've got to be analyzed and super analyzed and you've got a whole list of psychologists and counselors. Guys, please, there's a time when you need that. But, it, but you've also got to go forward. So I believe that we can, you see, without evaluation, you're not going to know whether your decision-making needs to, to, to improve or grow, which I'm sure it does. But where do I grow? You guys all with me? Okay, now appreciate this. Decision-making is a gift from God. Okay? God has never called us to be a robot. I love you. I praise you. Arms down. I love my wife. Tell me, how many wives here, your husband comes as a robot and says, I love you. You are my wife. Here are the roses. <laughs> okay. We want it to come from the heart. Amen. You never read about Jesus pressurizing anyone to follow him. I beg you to be my follower. Okay. Just putting it out there. So, in Deuteronomy, um, before Israel, we're, we're going into the promised land, uh, this is God's word. He says, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. God gives us the instructions. He gives us perspective. We make choices. Right? That famous statement, the devil made me do it, doesn't cut. Okay. But now, I want to complicate your life. You're called to make decisions, but in the world we live in, in fact, forever, there are decisions that we're forbidden to make and prevented from making. Now, in COVID, we have a thing called COVID restrictions, and heaven only knows what else. Um, and I believe that our response when authorities or God or people stop us from making decisions is highly important. How do you respond? Because you see, that's a hard issue. I'm immigrating and the stupid government and oh, 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 why are we going to vaccinate? I don't want to be vaccinated. I've got, I've, got, I've got my rights. Right? I promise you that when we get into that thing, see, we live in a vengeful world. It's an angry world marching and demonstrating. And see, you might not march down Adderley Street, but in your heart you're demonstrating. <laughs> okay, I just want to say this, that we can only make better decisions when we find peace. And you know what? I, I don't know whether I always did well in the last two years. There's times when, when I've just been angry. Maybe at the lack, for me personally, the lack of getting vaccinations out. Because I've got a son who's a specialist. So I don't believe in, in all these uh, conspiracy theories because my son's there on the front line. Um, but I've had a look at my heart attitude. And by the grace of God, by the grace of God, the grace of God, I want to get less angry and frustrated in 2022. You see, John 14, 27, what did Jesus say? I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace of I give you is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Fear, <coughs> anxiety, lack of peace, anger, all those things will prevent us from making better decisions. Amen. <coughs> We're all together. Now, I believe that improving 
our decision-making, let's call it skills, because it is a skill, okay, is more about establishing and maintaining and even confirming a biblically-based yet practical process. Um, now, when I talk about a, a process, if you're American, it's a process. Um, <clears throat> I'm not talking about some rigid system, like, stop, I need to go, there's 11 points, point one. Sorry, I'm at point five. Okay, we've got to be flexible. So I, I believe that you and I should, in our hearts and minds, have a kind of process that we can use. Now, I believe decision-making is like a moving iceberg. Have we got the picture of the iceberg? I never quite know whether. Okay. Can I tell you this? Let's keep it up. Is most of your decision-making takes place below the surface. There's so many factors that influence our decisions. Uh, your temperament, your personality, your character, your experiences, your successes, your failures, your upbringing, um, the people at work, if, are they negative or positive? Um, your blind spots. Do you, do you know that everybody has a blind spot? Tell me, any of you that don't have a blind spot? That's your blind spot. Okay. <laughs> okay. Your prejudices. You say, I don't have prejudice. You do have prejudice. And maybe it's a taxi driver that sideswipes you. You might find out where your prejudice lies. So your passions, your priorities. By the way, there's so many things. That's why it's in the iceberg. So, so what I want to say to you is we need a healthy process that can filter all those things. Okay, I'm not asking you to sit down and, well, maybe if it's a big decision, write those things down. What am I prejudiced about blind spots? But I'm just saying there's a general process that I believe can get us into a healthy place where we're making better decisions, eh? Not the best. Yes, it's great if you're on the money and it's the best decision. So the world is crying out, believe me, for decisive decision makers um, based on a well-tended iceberg. Please, when I say a decisive decision maker, I'm not talking about being autocratic, impulsive, stubborn, refusing to take counsel, isolated, because a lot of leaders are like that. They say, no, I'm the decision maker. Yeah, I, I can make decisions, and everybody suffers. So, okay, guys, um, I've got a picture there of a guy. I don't know if you've ever taken the wrong path uh, on a hike. I have. Jenny and I ended up at a place, what was it, hell something or other. We felt that we were lost in, in hell in this weird <laughs> crevice in the mountains. Okay, so let's have a look at five things. Firstly, now guys, don't switch off. Pursue a loving relationship with God and people. You say, okay, Graham, you're the pastor, you need to say that. And I'm going to tell you why that is so important up front. All good decisions are loving, relational decisions. God called us to be relational. What are the most important gods? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your body, or whatever else. And love your neighbor as yourself. Guys, the best decisions are good relational decisions. Um, a selfish decision is never a great decision. You decide the family needs, we need to fix the piping and the plumbing, we need to do this, and you go out and buy a boat. How many of you know that's not a better decision? <laughs> Your wife sits glaring at the boat, and the kids don't have school shoes and whatever. Okay, you hear what I'm saying? 
Um, so we first seek God, His kingdom, and His righteousness. Matthew 6.33, we know it. Okay. When this occurs, you know what happens when we seek God's kingdom? The Holy Spirit is given inner control. Read Romans 7. Paul says the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Because when we become a Christian, the sinful nature remains. I don't know why God didn't just remove it so we could all be angels. But until you die, the battle is between spirit control and nature control. See, I'm going to read Philippians 2.13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So Holy Spirit control gives us desire and power. Desire and power. Turn to your neighbor and say, the Spirit gives me the desire and the power to do what is pleasing to God. If your wife is next to you, your husband, bump him and say, the desire and the power of the Holy Spirit. Am I making sense to you guys? So... When we make a decision to love people no matter what, woo, we begin to make better and better decisions that please God and attract favor and influence. You know, I love that story of, um, of uh, Jesus growing up. It said he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people. Isn't that amazing? That's because I believe he... Obviously, he was perfect, but he was making great relational decisions. Note, notice that. The favor with God and people. Amen. So you're with me. So I'm talking about caring, forgiveness, letting go of hurt, patience, understanding, going the extra mile, demonstrating grace and mercy, all of that. Paul in 1 Corinthians says, guys, don't exercise the gifts without love. You're just like a clanging gong. He said, you need love. Now, I, I was doing this message, and I put this down. And the next point, I got caught up in major counseling on holiday. Okay. One couple, dynamic couple, Christians for years, involved in leadership, everything. There was a major relational issue. And you know what I discovered? Not for love or money could they hear from God. You can't do it. Seriously, you can't. It was like they were in a mist. I thought, God, you've just confirmed this. Guys, when you are in a relational barney with somebody, you, you can't make decisions. I said, stop, please. The decisions you want to make, hold them over. Am I making sense? And it's like the chicken and the egg. What comes first? Um, a relational disconnect with God or with people? One or the other. When you are... In disconnect with people, you can't hear God. You can't connect with God. The two go together. Amen. So please, I beg of you, I beg of you, we all have offenses and issues. Work on them. You are going to make better and better decisions. Secondly, and this is a line, I felt God giving me these things. Discover or confirm the right direction for your decision making. You see, when your direction is wrong, many or most of your decisions are going to be wrong. When you get the right direction, your decisions will be way better. Direction. And it's funny with these people. Um, I'm, now, there's different people. I'm up for this and that, and I'm thinking, you're on holiday, but yes, you had COVID, so you're relaxed in COVID, so help people on holiday. <laughs> Don't turn your phone off. Um, I said, what's your direction for the year? 
I don't know. I have no idea. I promise you, you can be close to the, God, to the archangel Gabriel. Um, you can talk to the Lord. You get into a mess. You don't have direction. Suddenly, the fog is there. And um, so I, I, it was, it, it's, an, it's so interesting. In a difficult and changing season, it's easier to get lost than you can ever think. Have, have any of you got lost in the last two years? Everything that you thought was, was good and happening has all changed. Suddenly the job is in there, you're working at home, the kids aren't at school. Stuff is happening. And have you kept your direction? Do you know what direction God wants you to go? And that's why Psalm 25 verse 4 is such a, a, a great a promise or such a great thing. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Guys, when you have the right path and the right road, you don't have to ask for a sign on the wall. Eeny, meeny, tick or whatever it was where the Lord spoke on the wall. You don't have to. And you know what? How many of you have ever wanted a WhatsApp from God? God, if you just WhatsApp me, please, SMS, WhatsApp. Lord, a voice note. <laughs> I need it. I need a voice note. Okay? Guys, when you know, you know what? Direction, you've got to bring family, ministry, and work together. So your direction, it's not going to say, we're building this business. We're going to be the biggest whatever. And it's going to take 22 hours a day. And, and the, the end of all of that, your wife and the kids have walked. They're running as fast as they can. With, I was talking to all this counseling. Like, yes, you're often working at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning. How's it affecting your no, I'm always frustrated and angry and exhausted. Like, whoa. <laughs> Guys, get your direction. Get a healthy direction. Where is God taking you? Amen. Is this helping? So, guys, come on, man. Relationships first. Second, direction. Guys, please go home. If you say, I don't know what, who knows where I'm going. I'm just allowing the fairies to take me wherever the fairies. And you, you, you're mistaking the Holy Spirit for the fairies. No! Find your direction. Thirdly, now this can be boring. Do your homework. How many of you didn't enjoy doing homework at school? Put your hands up. Whoa. How did that affect your marks? <laughs> okay, you can, you, can, you, can, you can do that in grade three or five, but try that in matric. Okay. You, so guys, listen to me. We don't like homework. You are going to make many decisions that have a risk attached to them. And the risk has to be calculated. See, you can go on and trust God when you've done the calculation. You've done your homework. People say, no, I'm just trusting in God. God will lead. And oh my, the fairies have been leading you. Okay. You see, when you've done the calculation, you know what to pray for and have faith for. No, we're just going to start a business resigning for work. We're going to the Isle of whatever, Patmos, or we're, gonna, we're moving, we're emigrating, and wow. Have you calculated the cost? Okay, there's four things. It's a table with four corners. Okay, let's just read to you Luke 14, 28 to 30. But don't begin, and he's talking about being a disciple, being a Christian, until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost? 
If you ever built a house, help me, Jesus. It costs way, way more than you think. To see if there's enough money to finish it. Otherwise, you might completely, yeah, complete only the foundation before running out of money. Then everyone will laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started a building and couldn't afford to finish it. We see plenty of those around. Or what king would go to war with another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace. Are the enemies still far away? Guys, four things. Firstly, is know the facts and the truth. I'm going to come back to it. Secondly, weigh up the consequences. Thirdly, hold off decisions while your emotions are high. And fourthly, don't rush. Guys, do you know the relevant facts and the truth? Have you read the contract? Have you read the small print? Learn to distinguish between truth and, on the one hand, and fiction, fantasy, and conspiracy theories. I am shocked. We have a world that has a great love or lust for conspiracy theories. Help me, Jesus. Nothing is more dangerous than making decisions based on Google articles. My son is a trauma surgeon. It took him 14 years of working around the clock to get there. But Mrs. Smith reads a Google article by some guy who's a horse doctor or a witch doctor um, who, who actually has this great desire for, for people to read his articles because he needs to see five uh, psychologists, and we take that as the truth. COVID has been so strange. There are vast numbers of people who are willing to die for unproven theories that have no factual basis. Truth is a scarce commodity. Everybody holds on to their own truth. You know, if you want to know the facts, why don't you ask God? When I first went into ministry, there was a guy in the church, and a few of us, we just didn't feel like about this guy. But I mean, what do you say? Hey, can I talk to you? I don't like you, or there's something about you. So we prayed. You know what he found out? He was a murderer on the loose. <laughs> he murdered a little girl. He was a, a postman. And then, then we found out he was having sex with his kids. Oh, whoa. But you know what? We didn't know that, but God revealed the truth. <laughs> Find the truth. Know the facts. Secondly, weigh up the consequences. We're selling the house and the car, and we're starting this business. Make sure that you and your wife psychologically can, can carry that. What, what, what are you doing? Have you worked it out? Have you counted the cost? Thirdly, you might say, why is this part of your homework? Remove most of the emotion out of a serious decision. Negative and positive emotions. Some of the worst decisions I've, I've got into have been from, from a super caring, um, a sense of well-being, um, and uh, all that stuff. I've employed staff where everything has said to me, don't. But everyone said, out of love, let's employ him. And Jason's had to do the firing. <laughs> Guys, don't. There's a difference between loving someone and making certain key decisions. Take the emotion out. Bring the, do your homework. Am I still, am I still so angry? Am I still this? Am I so depressed? Hold off. Hold off. Am I super excited? about this venture. We're going to make, I don't know what, 
some weird thing you read about, and we're just going to start a business uh, for something that nobody needs and nobody wants, and it doesn't work. Okay. Then don't rush important decisions. What's all this about? I promise you. Know the facts. Count the cost. Get the emotion out of it. And don't rush decisions. You see, we rush because we actually don't want the pressure of having to, to do all the homework. I don't like homework. I'm out there. You know what? You come to school and just copy your friend's homework. Anyone done that math? And then when it comes to exam time, oh, you can't copy anyone's paper. So you get 30% because you just rushed all your homework. Can I say this? Deprive yourself of sleep before making the decision, not after. <clears throat> when you make that quick decision, oh boy, you don't sleep. Very interesting thing. King Saul, first king of Israel, he was a rush artist. And he, he like got all that. So now the Philistines are getting ready for battle. The Lord made it clear to him that the offering, the burnt offering had to be done. Now Samuel, who was the priest, the priest and the prophet, he sees, like, like the Russians on the Ukrainian border, everything seems to be getting worse. He says, no, I'm going to do the burnt offering. You know what happened after that tragedy? God said, I'm taking your kingdom away, and I'm giving it to a man after my own heart. You know what? If a man after God's own heart doesn't make rush panic decisions. I'm going to leave that with you. I think we've run out of time, haven't we? I've got two last points. Deliberately cultivate dynamic and effective outside influence. I'm using the word influence. Guys, please widen the scope of influence. Find new that, people to have coffee with. Guys, do you have the same thing at your, at, at your family, around the briar? That's where all, all your influence or your whatever it is, the, the five guys at work, um, you know, I believe that our church has been with us because we read books. We invited guest speakers. We've been all over the world. We have opened ourselves up to the influence of other people. Identify your personal inner blockage. Are you stubborn or proud? Because you are not going to be available for counsel if you're proud and stubborn. Amen. That's just, let me leave it there. See, good counsel is a skill and a character asset, both skill and character. We have to be humble enough to desire to learn from others. I wanted to briefly mention the story of Rehoboam. He was the king that followed Solomon. What had happened was Solomon, towards the end of his life, and this, guys, is such a major point. You can be a great decision maker, and over time, you become a poor one. He wrote the book of Proverbs and had this great statement in, uh, like the purpose of the Proverbs, and that, that's his first chapter. It's to teach people to live disciplined, successful lives, to help them to do what is right, just, and fair. When he died, he had all the people on unfair labor and was imposing terrible taxes. So I asked the question, are you known as a great decision maker? Was that five or ten years ago? Is it still where you are? Rehoboam, they came to Rehoboam the minute he died. They said, listen, we're about to have rebellion, deluxe. You need to take the load off people and they'll serve you. So he spoke to his father's old counselors and they, they said, I, I, we agree, do it. Then he went to his new council team, which was the youngsters that he grew up with. And they said, no, 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 no. You need to add to the burden. What happened? People were killed and the and the kingdoms separated. 
never to join again because of wrong counsel. So I, do, can I ask you the question, do you know who influences you? You see, if you don't know, how do you know whether it's good? Is it Cape Talk? My mother-in-law comes in, my radio, she calls Cape Talk, my radio. My radio says, who's your influence? Is it good? Is it bad? So I just think this is awesome for you to focus on who influences you. Um, you know, the tragedy here was different generations opposed each other. Isn't it wonderful if the different generations in your family, in the church, and at work can work together? Okay, leave it there. Last point, grow in faith. Now, I want to tell you this. God is always wanting to grow the church, reach more people, extend you, extend your, your influence. That requires taking risks of faith. You need to, first of all, do the five things, uh, the four things on the homework. But when you've done your homework, what if God whispers, and says, I want you to take a step of faith. Do you have enough faith to take that? God says, a church plant. Or, you know what? You've been in life group long enough. I'd like you to start a new life group. Or a ministry to ladies at work. or the, Whatever it is. Guys, I believe in, in putting on new jackets. But you can't do that unless you're growing your faith or your trust in God. Very interesting with David. He loved God, was a man of God, or youngster of God, serving God, and he'd had all these experiences with bears and lions. And when he saw Goliath about to swallow up the nation, he realized, look, nobody else is stepping forward. Interesting enough, when David said, I'll tackle him, they went through all the facts. They did the homework. Saul said, you're too young, you're too small, you can't fit the armor, um, you, you're not a sword fighter. Finished. And after that, he said, I'm going to take my sling and my catty, my, sorry, my catty and my stones. And he stepped out in faith and saved the nation. I want to ask you, we've got a country that's in a mess that needs saving. Are you willing to grow your faith so you can be part of saving them? Amen. So guys, as we come to an end, our starting point was that improved decision-making leads to long-term stability, progress, unity, increased effectiveness, benefits across generations, you name it. Are you encouraged and motivated this morning to commit yourself to making better decisions? Shall we pray? Father, I thank you. Lord, you've spoken to us. You've led us. You've directed us this morning. Lord, you've spoken to me. Um, every time I look at these notes, I'm challenged. And I just pray, God, that you do an amazing thing amongst these people because you've called this group of people to be effective. And so, God, I just pray that there would be peace. Lord, that that first point right up in the front was without peace. We can't launch out making great decisions. I want to ask you one last question. Are you at peace with God? Would you like to give your life to Jesus? You see, that's the best decision. That's the first decision. You might say, Graham, two years ago, I was serving God, but I don't know what my relationship with Him is like. And you want to restore that relationship. Could you just raise your hand and put it down? I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Thank you. 
to give us a hand on the right. Lord, I just pray for every person. In fact, I believe there are other people that right now are connecting with you. That God, we will be able to say, Lord, forgive me. Just, just take our pride away and say, God, I need your help. I need your direction in my life. Um, I need courage to make better decisions. So God, I ask your Holy Spirit to come and live inside of me so that I have both the desire and the power to please you. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.